Stock Dads are back for season two of their hit podcast, Stocks and Sandals. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to build generational wealth. So tuck in your t-shirt, put your Crocs in sport mode, and let's grill up some profits. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Zabala. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown, who I am not going to make fun of today in the intro, probably the first time ever. It's only because I called you out for it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it is. But <laughs> we do have a uh, Stock Dads first on the we show do. today. Yeah. We have our first female guest. We do. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're super excited. We have John and Karen Yates with us today. They are full-time travelers. They, you know, travel the world and work from wherever they are in the country and the world. And it's very cool and very interesting topic for me, you know, as dads, obviously, we want to be able to take our kids on, you know, vacations and experiences and get to travel the world and stuff. But that's not always you know, the easiest thing for a dad to do because it costs money and takes time and stuff like that, which not all of us have the luxury of being able to do it full time. But John and Karen are going to share some tips with us on how, you know, to do it efficiently, how to do it cost effectively. And we're really excited to just kind of hear some of those strategies and stuff like that. But John and Karen, before we jump in and start talking about stuff, just take two seconds. Well, you could take longer than two seconds, I guess. (laughs) Take a minute to tell people who you are, what you do, you know, tell them about your journey and where they can find you. Sure. So in 2018, we'd been married for 18 years, but we found ourselves at a really, really low point in our relationship uh, to the point where we were talking divorce, really. And to add to it, we were broke. So as you can imagine, that added to the stress of everything. And at a point where we had to do something different because we weren't making it. We weren't where we wanted to be. We weren't doing what we wanted to do. And so we did the only thing we knew how to do. We started talking to each other. And through all that communication, we realized that we really had the same goals. And those goals were really to spend more time with each other because we knew that that would help our relationship, but also to spend more time with our two kids who were getting older. But the problem was I had a regular nine to five, well, really seven to five job. And so how do you find more time when you have the constraints of a regular job. And so we started to get a little creative and we're like, well, how can we do this? Because working within the confines of my employment wasn't going to give us the answer. Yeah, it really just came to a point in our relationship where you know we both had great careers. So she had a great career and I had some work that had you know, kept us afloat and helped out, you know, with the money part of it. But we ended up, like she said, after, you know, 18 years broke and we have had way up highs, you know, done extremely well. And we had been, you know, down at the bottom as well. And so we've been on the roller coaster of what most people go through, ups and downs. Ours were pretty extreme. And at this point, it was pretty low. And we were just like, why? How did this happen? How do you go from a teacher's education, teacher's degree with a chemistry degree? How do you end up broke 20 years into your marriage? And it just didn't make sense to us. We were doing everything we could. I knew how to invest. I was a Wall Street trader for five years. So we were the upper middle class couple who didn't have anything, you know, and it's very frustrating. And we're like, I'm not living this life anymore. And so that's kind of how what provoked this outside of the box thinking, you know, we never imagined, literally never imagined (laughs) this to happen. And it kind of came to be. 
Awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, I say awesome loosely. It's, it's obviously a really tough, you know, situation that you guys went through, but it obviously it's led to something pretty special for you guys now. So that's really cool. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, going through the ups and the downs and all that kind of stuff. But I have a ton of questions. But before we do, yeah. Mike told me before the show that he has a travel story that he wants to tell. And I'm going to pass it over because I'm dying to know this. He's making it sound really cool. I'm sure I'm hyping it up way too much. It's not. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're overselling it. Knowing like hard. Mike, it's, this is going to be very <laughs> underwhelming. But here, go ahead and share the story anyways. All right. So I was actually struggling to choose between two stories. But I picked this one because I don't think DJ's heard it. So I went to Maui recently with my good friend Andy. And on one of the days, we had like a snorkeling trip scheduled and Andy and me both get motion sick, but Andy's like way worse than I am. So like we were kind of nervous about it, but we went and long story short, Andy just got super sick. He was like throwing up for like five hours on the boat and I was fine. Like I was having a good time. But anyway, the next day we had a scuba diving trip planned and Andy was like, I'm not going on a boat again. (laughs) You can go alone. I was like, all right. I mean, I guess that's fair. Like he had a really bad day. So I went on my own and I was like really nervous about it. Like I'd never been scuba diving. Like I was kind of scared. The ocean like intimidates me a lot. So there's a bunch of stuff I was just nervous about. And so I ended up going and it was me and then a newly engaged couple that were there. Third wheel. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's pretty much the story of your life. Yeah, like. I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> um, but anyway, on the boat ride out, the girls started to get motion sick. And I was like, oh, shit, like, here we go again. And so you have to like test and stuff to make sure you won't drown when you scuba dive. They have you like jump in and do all these like skill checks. And so she was like, can I go first? Since I'm like not feeling well, I'll get in the water and everything. We we're like, yeah, go ahead. And so you like put your little flippers on and like penguin waddle off the boat. (laughs) And she like jumps in and starts like freaking out. She's screaming and flailing around and like hitting people. And I was like, holy shit, I'm nervous (laughs) to do this. (laughs) Um, And so that happened. And then I also had a bad head cold the entire time I was there. So like I couldn't clear my ears like. With scuba diving, a big thing is being able to equalize pressure. And so I went in and could not scuba dive at all. Like I Mm -hmm. would get in and I would look up and be like two feet under the water and (laughs) wow, this (laughs) sucks. (laughs) So, but anyway, that's my story. Uh, (laughs) You haven't told me that, Mike. Have I told you? There's nothing that that I don't know about you already. (laughs) Just how close we are. Yeah, I guess so. And when it was in a B dubs booth where you told me that story. Oh, yeah. 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 See? Anyways, that's a funny story, kind of, you know, <laughs> as, as, as I expected. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, one more thing before we jump in, I'll share my personal favorite vacation spot where I've been and where I want to go. And then I want to know John and Karen's. I don't care about yours, Mike, because you already got to go to Maui and, <laughs> you know, all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> so, my personal, like, favorite vacation spot that I've ever been to was, I would say the Bahamas, but I also went to Punta Cana on our honeymoon and that one was obviously a much better experience because I was married but the Bahamas was probably my favorite 
crystal clear blue waters, you know, can't beat it. We got to swim with the dolphins and all that kind of fun stuff. And then my dream vacation spot, and maybe you guys have been there, is Fiji. That's where I want to go someday at some point for some reason. Just want to go there. So what about you guys? What's your favorite spot that you've ever been? And you've been everywhere, I'm sure. And then where haven't you been that you really want to go? Well, we started this journey, you know, in 2019. So we've only been out here for two years. And COVID. most of that was COVID. So we were kind of stuck for a lot of that. So my favorite vacation spot, honestly, just holds a place in my heart is Michigan. If you go up in North at the top of Michigan, there's sand dunes and you can walk out into the freshwater for half a mile and it's just sand dunes. And I'm originally from Kansas. And so when I moved to Michigan, just after one year of college in Kansas, family went on a trip up North of Michigan and I was asleep for half the ride up there and woke up on the water. And I'm like, how the hell did we get in the Caribbean? I'm like, <laughs> like, this is the strangest place. It was the strangest feeling. And it was just an incredible experience. And so she's from Michigan and that's how we met. And I've lived in Michigan most of my life. And it's an absolutely place that nobody knows about. It's just, but what's the whole it, entire West yeah, Coast of Michigan called? is all... Because, I, I mean, um, I don't live far from Michigan, so, I mean, it'd be nice to have, like, a place that's pretty driving distance to go check yeah. out. On the west coast of Michigan, is there's all kinds of little beach towns all the way up, but at the top... Traverse City. Traverse City is what so it's if called. If you go north of Traverse City, it's absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> yeah. That's yeah, where you yeah. can walk out forever. The water's crystal clear, like, super sandy. Like, you can be, you know, neck deep, and you can still see your toes. Yeah, I'm glad you're building up how nice it is because when you said your favorite spot was Michigan, like <laughs> I felt like it was going to really <laughs> like add some credibility you know, issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, DJ and I and some friends went up to Traverse City and yeah, yeah, we spent a guys' weekend there yeah. not too long after college, but it was a lot of fun. Guy. It is really, really nice. It wasn't a guys' weekend. Amazing. Yes, it was. We got a Airbnb mm-hmm. and just the five of us stayed there. Where did we yeah. go to the dunes that one time with everybody? That was in college with our girlfriends at the time. Yeah. And that was, I think, just the Mich- like the sand dunes or something, like the Michigan dunes or yeah. Indiana dunes. That was the Indiana dunes, yeah. I think. They right. don't compare. Yeah. yeah. No, very different. Traverse <laughs> cities where we went on our guys weekend. That was just like when the roommates went and hung out for the weekend there. And yeah. I got stung by six bees. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Playing disc golf. Yeah. yeah, I remember. You got yeah. mad at me because I laughed at you. Yeah. <laughs> DJ, you asked where we want to go, and we fill up our Google map you know, with all the places we want to go, and there's probably 200 places. So I can't pick a place that I want to go to now. It's everywhere on the map. It's, <laughs> right, right. There's something That's there fair. you got to go see. Sure. You know. I love it. What about you, but Karen? I can, yeah, I have a, a little different take on it. I absolutely love Michigan. I grew up, and it will always have a special place in my heart. Always be home even though we don't have a home. (laughs) But for me, I think one of the most incredible things that I have ever seen was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We got to be part of the Lantern Festival. So after dark, they light up these giant paper lanterns. I'm like five foot in diameter lanterns. You got to hold the lighter to it for like five minutes to get this thing lit. And so you hold it there and you need a couple of people to support it. So we have the four of us, our family, our two kids and us, and we're supporting this lantern. John gets it lit and you're just holding it, waiting for the air to warm up so the lantern will rise. And it eventually does. And it's just the most incredible experience because 
we were so used to activities in the States where there's a lot of drinking and there's loud music and there's this energy, right? And the energy here in Thailand was completely different. There's all this happiness. People are super excited, but it's also this joy. And so every time a lantern go up, would go up, everyone would like clap and cheer in the area. And there's thousands of these lanterns just floating up into the sky. It's like the movie Tangled, you know, where they, mm, they light the lanterns. Yeah. But we were like standing right in it. It was so cool. We had some guy that actually just like was watching our family and he's like, oh, I took a video of it. Can I send you the video? And so we got to see the perspective from outside. It was like so cool. It's just one of the most incredible experiences. That is really cool. That sounds awesome. I've done like the little paper lanterns after a wedding and those are really cool. So I can't imagine what this would be like, you know, in Thailand with these giant ones. That's really cool. Yeah. And they're everywhere. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. Awesome. So let's jump in because I got too many questions and not enough time. So I'm just going to start off very basic. You guys kind of explained, I think, you know, the ups and downs and the troubles in your marriage and stuff kind of led to your decision to start doing this. So that's kind of like your why. Now, I guess, what were your first steps in making all this like a new lifestyle for you? I mean, this had to have been a huge decision. So like, I mean, where do you even start with something like this? Yeah. So what happened was I was out of a job, not working. And we had just moved from Indianapolis to Kansas City area. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? And my brother had just gotten a job as a truck driver, was making six figures. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to jump into this. It was easy. You know, I didn't have to look around or think of what to do. And so I'm like pursuing how to get into being a truck driver. So I'm looking at that and we get to the point where I've gone and talked to everybody, figured out how to get my CDL and what to do next and ready to take the step to go to the school and get my CDL. And six weeks later, you're making money. And I'm like, okay, this will be great. You know, we'll get out of this financial mess, (laughs) you know, and it'll help our family and we'll be on our way. And so we're sitting out on the back porch and I'm like, is this really what we want to do? And we're sitting there, you know, literally just clashing every day. Okay, here's an answer. Here's some money to help alleviate half of our stress. And so what do we want to do? And it was really kind of in a moment where we said, no, this isn't going to work for our family. This is going to take us even further apart. And so that was kind of the start of that decision to say, okay, how do we find a way back together? And so that key thing of our relationship was more important than any amount of money was kind of the start of everything. And I started to look online to figure out how I can make money online, followed a guy and he came out with this mentorship and I applied with like two days left, got accepted one of 10 people people out of, you know, 600 people that applied. And I get the notice afterwards that, Oh, you've been accepted, but it's in Thailand and you need to be there at the end of the month. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. We have no money. How the hell am I going to get to Thailand? And so I'm like, let's see went online checked the flights and i happened to find a flight for 350 dollars round trip from la to thailand and back (laughs) and i'm like we have to make this work you know i'm thinking it's going to be thousands of dollars and it was 350 bucks to go round trip so we figured it out went to thailand for two months and worked with this guy and that was kind of eye-opening to realize that you actually can immediately make money online just knowing some of the inside tips and everything. And so we started on that journey, came back home. And that was the start of this eye-opening piece of, holy cow, you know, 
there's people out there. <laughs> right. right. So, I mean, that were two factors, right? One is we have to replace income because obviously we didn't have savings. And two, we have to come up with some savings so that we can actually do this because we're not going to start off broke and try to travel and make this all work, you know, in a whole novel situation, everything. And so, you know, John started off with the how to make money. And so it's like, okay, he learned not just what he learned from the mentorship, but from all the people actually in Thailand, there's a huge digital nomad hub. So all these people that make money online. So he learned, okay, there's like a million different ways to do this. Half the people I met were from the U.S. in the middle of Thailand. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? You know? Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned that because I had to fly back to a friend's wedding in Ohio. I live in Iowa, so it's like two states away. And the plane tickets are like $500. So it's right. like the fact that you can get one for $350 <laughs> to Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of my big questions for this episode is how do you like one find cost effective ways to get housing and travel and do all this stuff? And two, like how do you finance it? Because typically a normal job, you know, like I have a nine to five job as well, you know, typically those types of jobs don't lend themselves to being able to travel as much as you want. And I think that's going to probably be one of the bigger questions our audience is going to have is like, how do you hold down a job while doing this? Like, what are some things you can do for money? And how do you find cheap, you know, living and stuff like that? Yeah. And it's a great question. And that was one of the biggest things that we were trying to decide and figure out too, like, how do we make it? You know, if we're not going to boost our income up in the U.S., how do we make it? How do we get out of this rut of just surviving, literally? (laughs) (laughs) She's a chemist and we're still just trying to make it. It just doesn't make sense. So it's a great question. And it was the biggest hurdle for us, too. Like, how do you make it? How do we get to where we really want to be and travel? And so when we're in this American bubble, we are taught and told that America is the place to be. Go to national parks, go travel here, go travel there, go to Maui, go do these things in the States. Because if you wanna go overseas, you wanna go to Europe, you're gonna spend you know, $10,000, $15,000 to go spend a couple weeks, you know, a month in Europe. You know, I had the time because I wasn't working and I was able to just do tons of research. And when you get outside of the US, and it's another factor in why we decided to move. You know, we've all heard the term expats. Expats are real and expats live at a third of the cost of what it does in the US, Uh, if not even less. Yeah, it really depends where you're at in the world. And so like John mentioned Maui, you know, you were talking about that, Mike. Well, Maui is really expensive. I mean, they have to import all of their food to that island, you know, to the islands and and it's just really, really expensive. But when you start to look outside of the U.S. and you broaden your scope, you can find that there are many places where it's exceedingly cheap right. to live. Right. And so Southeast Asia is a great example of that. I mean, we were in Vietnam. We ended up being in Vietnam for 18 months. We went in with a three-month visa. COVID hit and we stayed. It was the most incredible experience, but I can tell you that we were living one block from the beach, the most beautiful. One of the top 10 beaches in the world. (laughs) Most beautiful. I mean, like white sand forever and ever and ever. Slope, you know, little tiny slope into the ocean so you can go out forever. Island off in the distance. Just absolutely gorgeous. A block from the beach in a four bedroom house with a side yard, you know, modern thing, you know, air conditioning in the bedrooms and whatnot. And we were paying just over 400 US dollars a month. 
Okay, you can't find that in the states. There's yeah. nowhere uh, you're going to live. Right. Be, be Four thousand. Oh. Yeah. In Maui, we looked, and it was like a house not near the beach was like seven million dollars. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Amazing. when you start yeah. to kind of broaden your horizons and say, well, where else can I go? There are a lot, a lot of places that you can go where the American dollar stretches super far. Mm. And yeah. so, you know, people can live, I mean, single folks, you know, we lived very well in Vietnam as a family of four, but, you know, single people can do it for a couple hundred oh dollars a month, Yeah, literally. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah, you know, it's but it's very real. Like there are people that do this, you know, there's a whole like digital nomad community that, you know, they have their little hotspots of hubs of cheap places to live where the dollar just stretches so far and you can live very, very well in comfortable conditions. You yeah. know, we're not living in the slums. The difference is as a traveling family versus as a tourist in the same city that we were in a block from the beach, we went in two different cities, you know, probably 20, 30 minute drive from each other. But in the first city, Da Nang, we were literally a couple blocks from the beach again. And we stayed there for $600 a month and literally a block over, we could have stayed in a tourist hotel that was $1,000 a night, probably. So it's the same thing. Like they had the nice fancy restaurants in there. They had the complete tourist newlyweds showing up there in their limos and, you know, four-star, five-star hotel. I don't know which, but it's a beautiful place. And we stayed on the backside of that. The first, it's a connected building. They have the fancy tourist hotel connected to it they have apartments same place same view <laughs> and we stayed in there for a third of the price of what it was on the front of the building and so we still if, had a view of the beach <laughs> when you go as not a tourist when you're going as a tourist you want you know as americans especially we just look for that it's just natural we want the best we want just perfection when you're traveling as a tourist this is my one vacation i'm going to nail it and i'm going to hit it good and it's going to be an incredible experience and that's what we do as Americans. We want that incredible experience because we have limited time to get those incredible experiences. If you go as a person who's just going to go there and stay there and live there, well, that in itself is the experience. And it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, right. just being there. So can you get some of those same deals on in the shorter term? Are they there? It's just yeah. harder or it's just harder to find them or you have to know the right places to look. And if no. and if that's the case, like where yeah. do you look for, you know, something like that? I mean, I don't think they have Airbnb in Thailand. They Maybe do. they do. <laughs> they is, do. is it literally Airbnb? So it's like yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Okay. <laughs> so what resources would you use, you know, for one flights and two actual places to stay and then maybe yeah. three forms of transportation like what would those three re main resources i'm sure there's several but like if you had right. to pick like your top resource for each of those things to find really good affordable deals right. for somebody who's not long-term because most of our listeners are not looking to travel full-time i'm sure but sure. a lot of us are looking to expand and, and vacation more frequently maybe so what would be those top three resources for flights, like staying and travel? So the first thing I'd say is if there is any way that you can be flexible with your dates, you know, that's where you can find the best flight deals. And so we usually start with just like Google flights, just to kind of get an idea of who's flying and a rough idea of the flights and what the costs are. And then we'll go to the individual airlines and see if we can get them better deals. We also use a VPN which is where we can change our location. And sometimes being in a different location, you can actually get the same flight for much cheaper. And mm. so that's like a little trick you can use to, you can check it. You just 
change your location. And hmm, if I'm in Vietnam, it costs me this much. But if I'm in the US, it costs me the same flight costs me perhaps more. Flexibility is huge with flights. Um, as far as where to stay, we've found Airbnb and like booking.com is bigger in Asia. We found good places there. And often because we go long-term, we'll book something for one or two nights and then land and then try to find something longer term where we can actually visually see it because we're going to be there for a while. You know, right. if you were just going for a shorter time, I would say do it on Airbnb or booking.com. Look around. But we know. usually plan for a month. And so we want to get into town, stay a night right. or two in the hotel, and then go see where we want to spend our time for a month or two. Right. That's our long term, you know, is a month or two, three. And what about transportation around that area once you get there? Like, you know, you just rent bikes or I mean, what's that look like? Right. It really varies by where we've been. A lot of places where we've been in Southeast Asia, they're big on motorbikes. And the first place when we were in Bali, we rented bikes for the six weeks that we were there and motored around on our own. That was good and bad. It gave us freedom of movement, but we had a little accident where... <laughs> Our son ended up with a broken leg. Um, You know, I would caution against that if you're not not used to doing that. Yeah, not used to doing that. It's so different being American to think that wherever you go, it's going to be the same. And it's not. (laughs) It's not going to be the same. And if you're just open-minded to saying, okay, I'm not going to have my own car, which is what we Americans hold on to. Like, I I need a car. What am I going to do without a car? Well, you know, we're here in Mexico City, and you can get anywhere in the city, which is the fifth largest city in the world. You can get anywhere in this city in a matter of 10, 15, 20 minutes. It's the fifth largest city in the world. It's a super modern city, but the price is half price or less. There's public transportation options. You can take the bus, you can take the subway, you can take an Uber, you can take a taxi, you can take a bike. They have literally bike lanes that only bicycles are in. You, you know. can rent them. You can rent them for the day. You can rent them for a week. You can rent them for a month. And so... Yeah. Yeah, we just find that we haven't needed a car. We've rented a car once in the two years that we've been out and about. And otherwise, you know, we've used Ubers, we've used, you know, we've hired personal drivers, which sounds like really luxurious. (laughs) But in these places where your dollar goes so far, you're spending 20, 25 bucks to have a driver take you all day long. And they're happy to do it because that money is very valuable to them. And so it's not like we're being cheapskates and chipping them out of money. It's just the cost of the dollar goes so much further. And so we haven't really found that we needed a car. I think John hit the nail on the head when he said, like, as Americans, like we clutch onto those things. I think that's something for me. I immediately think, okay, whenever I'm going anywhere, I've got to be able to drive where I want to go unless I'm going to like an all-inclusive resort or something where I can just walk. Or and I've got to have like the nicest hotel and I've got to have to make sure I'm not in the slums because you can't see it. Yeah. And you're just kind of trusting the interwebs at that point, you know. So I think that's the fear. But like the comfort bubble, I guess, is where I find myself struggling to travel cheaply because I yeah. go that to the nines with everything I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's like a cultural thing, too, because <laughs> I live in Iowa. DJ lives in Indiana, like we need a car to get places, you know, like we're not in an area where everything's close enough. So, right. You know, that's the same for us. You know, when we were traveling, especially, you know, we spent most of our time in Vietnam and knowing zero about Vietnam and just knowing we never wanted to go there was never on our list. We spent 18 months there. Anywhere we've been, when you get there, you just understand that there's other ways to do it and still feel 
good about it and safe about it and all the pieces that go into an American culture, like you said, Mike. Mm-hmm. And so the car is a big one. Transportation is a big one. But when we landed in Vietnam, we could have had a maid, could have had a driver, you know, and it broke us. It was like, oh my gosh, you could have a maid every single day. You could have a cook. So all these expenses are minimal when you get outside. But if you go to a resort, if you're going in as a tourist, they're going to get you. They're going to pay American American, prices. Yeah, you're spending American dollars at American prices. If you are willing to experience something a little bit differently and, you know, broaden a little bit, you know, open mind a little bit on how you can do it differently, there's actually ways to do it so much much cheaper. I'll share a quick funny story. When we were in Vietnam, we had moved from one apartment to another because the owners, or I don't know why we moved, but it was just kind of noisy or I don't remember why we moved, but we moved to a different apartment and it was like a few blocks away and our neighbors were from Ohio. <laughs> we were on the top floor. Did, there's two did apartments. Did Karen almost fight them being from Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the first thing I said to him, because he had a Bobcats, he was from OU, not OSU. Okay. And I said, what are you doing with the OU <laughs> Bobcats shirt on? So it's funny. We're on the top floor. There's two apartments and our neighbors are from Ohio, older couple. And I'm like, this is just you know, mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're not in this tourist resort, but it was perfectly normal. It was normal life. I mean, people think that, oh, you're traveling full time, you're living in hotels and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and to be really frank, like we'll stay in a hotel one or two nights when we land just to find our place because we live a very normal life, a family life, despite the fact that we travel. So, you know, we rent apartments or houses, cook, and we do our own cleaning most of the time. (laughs) Sometimes we don't, but it's a normal life. And that's really available even for people that are only going for a week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would recommend, you know, if you're going to go halfway around the world, try to go for two weeks because the the time difference (laughs) is pretty brutal. But, you know, two weeks someplace, you know, you can get an apartment. Even if you just do like breakfast and lunches, the simple, you know, make a sandwich and have a bowl of cereal, you know, those things, it saves you so much money that you can really afford to be there and really spend more of your money on the experiences Mm. on going and seeing different places than on just always eating out all the time. Yeah. I think it's good timing for this episode. Honestly, it might be like later than we should have done this episode, but I think like right now, People are kind of in a unique time where a lot of people are working from home with COVID. You know, the COVID concerns are kind of starting to die down a little bit. And like people have more flexibility now to like take a trip kind of like this and still, you know, work their job and kind of have best of both worlds. So I think it is interesting for your guys' situation. You know, somebody listening that does want to travel, you know, more full time. How does that look? How do you maintain friendships and relationships and stuff like that with people back in the States? With COVID, this is normal now. And so it's really changed a lot of things for our end too. Like this is just normal. We don't get asked when are you coming back? Mm-hmm. We just say, when can we talk to you next? Just like we're there. It's kind of funny because, you know, we lived in Kansas City area, Lawrence, Kansas. Some You guys are familiar with Lawrence, KU yeah. country. And so my parents live in Vegas. Her parents live in Michigan. My brother lives in Chicago. We never saw him anyways, once or twice a year. And so we would do this anyways. And we would always, you know, well, hope to see you next time or whatever. And now this is just normal. So whether we're in Vietnam or whether we're in Mexico on the same time zone, this is just kind of normal now. And it's kind of been very helpful (laughs) for us. But as far as the friendships go, 
you know, for our kids, it is difficult. It is harder. They do make the occasional friends. While we were in Vietnam, our daughter had sleepovers with the Vietnamese family. She went to birthday parties with some other kids, but they're not the close friendships like you get in the public school. So it's very difficult. It's very different. This whole journey, one of the other factors was that we create a relationship within our little circle here of family that just was more than the American flow of things are supposed to happen this way. You know, you move out when you're 18 or 22 or whenever, and you move on and you get married and you do this and you do that. And this path is planned out for us, you know, and people scatter, that's perfectly normal. And so for our relationship, even though those paths are still in place and those relationships or those locations may still be spread out, we wanted our relationship to look different than what I grew up with, for sure. Not that I had a terrible upbringing, but used to have a very close relationship with my brother, but had this kind of difficult relationship with my folks. You know, we never got to work through those things that would keep us connected. So we kind of grow up and kind of have our own lives and go that route. And I've always imagined what it would be like to be super close to my family. What if we had all these experiences and shared all the ups and downs and difficulties and had to work through the arguments and had to work through the pain of kids, you know, (laughs) what would that look like? What would that feel like? We just wanted it to be more intense, more special. Stronger. They would last into their adulthood. You know, they would really want to be part of our lives as they grew and had their own families, you know, that still really want that connection. So building that connection, strengthening that connection was one of the major contributing factors to us deciding to do this. So how have your kids adjusted to all of this? I mean, um, they love in life. What does this look like for your children? Because obviously that would be a main concern for a lot of our listeners, you know, doing anything like this or traveling more frequently is I'm assuming you homeschool or how does all that work? Just kind of talk about, you know, your kids in all of this. Sure. So our son was 12 when we left and he's just about almost 15 now. And it was a big change. He'd been in public school for seven years, right? So first through seventh, actually eight years, kindergarten through seventh grade there. And it was a big change to go to homeschooling. He really kind of embraced it. You know, there was a little bit of a rough patch, I'll admit, you know, (laughs) well, okay, you have to be kind of self-motivated here a little bit to do it on your own because mom and dad are not going to sit there at your shoulder and look over, Right. Right. But it's really been an incredible experience for him because he really gets to explore his passions, right? So he doesn't spend eight hours sitting in a classroom, right? He does his math and his English and his science, and you know he's got all the core things, but they don't take up as much time because it's just geared that way. You know, there's not all of this, you know, there's not two months of review when you start the school year and waiting for the class to settle down so the teacher can actually teach the lesson. You get to move at your own pace. And so he can move relatively quickly. So he has a lot of time on his hands. And he is a total computer nerd. I mean, he readily admits it. (laughs) He loves coding. So with the ability to have this time freedom, he's actually been able to do a lot of things that he wouldn't have been able to do had he been in the public schools. So he's taken computer science classes from Harvard online. And it's like, crime, like, I don't understand this stuff, you know? (laughs) And so it's really given him the freedom to explore the passions of things that he really enjoys. And the same with our daughter. She was younger. She was seven when we left, nine now, and blasts through her schoolwork in the day. And then she gets to, she loves reading. So she does that. She does a lot of online art classes and just gets to explore the things that she really loves. And then we try to have family time every afternoon. You know, if we can break at 3 p.m., 
and go out and do some exercise or do other things. We're in Mexico City, so. Museums right down the street here. Yeah, there's tons of cultural things in Mexico City. We just got to experience Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. That's cool. Yeah, and so we get to experience all these cultural things with the kids. And the cool thing is we don't really worry about social studies too much. So like they're experiencing it. They're not reading it in a textbook. So right. we make sure we they get some American history in here and you know some of that, but we don't really focus on the social studies so much because we're like they're experiencing it. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of funny social now. living now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it would be a really cool and probably like really healthy way to like grow up and experience the world, you know, I feel like it would teach you a lot of really useful skills probably. So it's pretty incredible. But just to go back real quick, when our daughter was seven and we were holding off telling her just because we never really knew if this was actually going to happen either. And once we told her, she was like, oh, let's go now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. As adults, we always wonder what's it going to be like for the kids? You know, is this the right decision that we're making for our kids? And yet the kids are the ones that are more adaptable than us. We want to follow this path. And the kids are like, oh, let's open this path up. There's so much more. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, it teaches them to be adaptable. I had a similar lifestyle, not different cultures, but I lived in nine different states and moved 11 times growing up. You know, you learn to be adaptable and stuff like that. And it was all in the U.S. So it wasn't like culturally shocking to me, but it was, you know, still you're moving and you're adjusting and you're making new friends and you're gone again, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's made me a stronger, you know, adult. I mean, I feel like I can handle more adversity than a lot of people and all that kind of stuff too. So who knows? I have one more question that we'll wrap it up here unless Mike has anything else after this. You mentioned the VPN as like a little travel hack. I'm wondering if you guys have any other secret little hacks. I just the other day came across somebody found like a flight where their destination was a layover on another flight. For example, like if I flew from, you know, Chicago to Atlanta and Atlanta was like my ultimate destination, it was like a $500 flight or whatever. But then if I flew from, you know, Chicago to North Carolina and Atlanta was a layover, and it was like way cheaper than you just skip the, I think skip lagging or something like that. I don't even yeah. know if it's like legal Is that or illegal? Not. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is because I talked to my pilot buddy and he said it's completely legal. It's frowned upon and you may get like marked and the airlines may like flag you and not sell to you anymore or something if you get caught too much. But wondering just little hacks like that, you know, like where to make yeah. traveling cheaper, easier, all that kind of stuff, if you have any. Yeah, I think honestly, we don't have a lot of hacks. We don't use them. We don't search for them. You know, we just factor that into the cost. So even to be real, even when we were in the States, we went from Kansas City to Vegas, spent a month and a half going out there by car. And now that we're out here, we kind of look at it and, oh, there's a cheaper price. So we'll grab that one. And so it is the flexibility to do that now. But if you can't factor that into your cost, that is inspire my money. How do you adjust your priorities of your money? I don't want to spend time. I hate spending time searching out the best flight and searching out for a hundred bucks. It's not worth it to me to figure out, am I going to save a hundred or 200 or three or 400? Mm-hmm. It's just not worth it to spend that time and effort and energy and frustration. Like, oh my gosh, do we need to leave here or there or what? And so our inspire my money, just to throw that in there, is how to prioritize your efforts and your money. And so if I want to just say, forget it, just buy the tickets, okay, we're going to save $1,000 
staying here when we get there instead of you know a block over then that makes up for it right and i don't have to worry it's not a frustration it's still a positive moving forward kind of thing so you know all the hacks you know it's like coupons you want to spend your life figuring out how to make coupons and save 500 bucks at the grocery store go for it it's not for me i don't want to spend that time and energy i want to spend my time and energy finding a place where we can enjoy finding a place that we can spend more money on going on a hot air balloon to go up and see the ruins. Let's do that. That's going to be 500 bucks for all of us. And so to save, and I'm going to save 500 bucks on where we're staying. So it's right. not really that big of a deal. And so that's where we take our money view of things and say, what is important to us? Our priority is experiences. And so we went up the volcano. Those are angry <laughs> mountains. <laughs> We're going through the ruins. We're going to see the butterfly migration. We're going to see the whales, you know, come December. And so those are what my priority is. I'll spend money on that and I'll save money on where we stay. Or I'll save money on not going to the American restaurant that's 90 bucks for dinner for all of us. Mm. You know, I'll go eat tacos at the street vendor. Mm. And do that three or four times and enjoy the culture right. and get immersed in it. Have that experience as well. Don't go to the American restaurant where they serve you silverware that's clean. And <laughs> uh, I may have to draw the line on that one. I may have to draw the line on cutting that out. He's exaggerating. I know. I'm just I know our I listeners that are listening didn't see his face, but I got the exact. <laughs> yeah, that's where I cut the line. We have eaten stuff with plastic forks and you're like, you know, I can't really um, stab this so well, but you know, you just go with, but. So that's what my take on it is, is, you know, everybody's trying to find the best deal and find the best deal and find the best deal. And it doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to throw it in there again. That's what we do. You know, save $30,000 on your next vehicle. Buy the two-year-old one instead of the brand new one. We bought a $60,000 truck. This is back when we were in Kansas. Brand new, a year and a half later, it was $33,000. Like, that's big money. So to worry about the $100 or $200 that I'm going to save to find the right flight to spend hours of frustration is just not worth it. It's not like we have a ton of time to waste <laughs> anyway, so might as right. well focus and on so when you know, when you figure out those priorities, what it is you really want to do with your money, then you're like, okay, what I want is these kinds of experiences. I want us to do it together. And this is where we're going to go. And if I have to have the, oh, we, we did the same thing. I'm, I'm not going to lie. When we went on our honeymoon for two weeks, we were in the, you know, you better believe we're going to spend as much money as we can to go to the nicest place <laughs> we can go. When we went back five years later, you better believe we're going to spend as much money as we can to stay in the nicest place to enjoy every bit of it. And that was our priority then. And so our priority now is what do I really want out of this? I want the experience of family time and I want the experience of the culture. For sure. I dig it. I will throw in one, not money saving hack, but travel hack that we have found to be absolutely essential is packing cubes. So there's these little mesh bags that have zippers on them and they're mesh and fabric. And so you can put like all your shirts in one packing cube and you put all your shorts in another one. And it's just a lifesaver for us because, you know, everybody has their own color. We're color coded here. So four people, four different colors and everybody has their own cubes. And it's like, okay, we don't have to sort, you know, when we get someplace, oh, these are my cubes. 
and these are your cubes and now we're good. Yeah. And it's just super simple. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those organizational things. You're not sitting there. Okay. How can I fold this shirt to it? Mm -hmm. No, you just like roll it up and That's put cool. it in there. And it's like, yeah. Travel. Yes, it's a time saving. It's a time saving travel. Well, again, when time is at a premium and you're trying to, you know, spend more time doing things, and that's a, that is a hack. So it's good stuff. Yeah. Mike, do you have any other questions? No, I think I'm good. This is awesome. Yeah, this is really cool and makes me want to go to Thailand for a couple of weeks and see what yeah. we can find, you know. Yeah. I'll but, go uh, with no. you, bud. <laughs> Would you? Third wheel in it with me and Jenna? <laughs> yeah. I know you love that. Uh, all right. Well, no, I really appreciate having you guys on. You guys have been great. Karen, thank you for being our first female guest and <laughs> representing your gender yeah. very well. <laughs> it's a refreshing change from talking to a bunch of, you know, big dumb guys all the time. So, <laughs> so, But take a minute, tell the people where they can find you, you know, throw your website out, where you can find you on social media, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So we're both on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, easiest way, though, is our website, which is inspiremymoney.com. So just one word, inspiremymoney.com. Awesome. And there's all kinds of good stuff on there. There's courses. There's actually a free course up there. There's free ebook and all kinds of tips and stuff that can really get you prioritized with your money so that, you know, if travel is really something that you want to do or you have another dream that you really want to work towards, but you don't know how to make it happen, that's really what we're all about here is making those dreams reality. That's awesome. Cool. Very cool. Thank you guys so much for all of our listeners. Thank you as always, you know, make sure to subscribe, download this episode, all that fun stuff. And we'll catch you guys next week. We uh, release episodes every Tuesday, so we'll see you then. Thanks guys. Thanks guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a five-star review and join our premium community on Discord at stockdads.com slash plans. You can also follow us on all major social media platforms. But most importantly, stay off the grass.